Welcome to Bethany United Methodist Church, where we are leading people to experience God's love, to know Jesus Christ, and to grow in his image. We're grateful that you are joining with us as well. We would encourage you to check our church's website out where you can register your attendance. Let us know that you're worshiping with us. You can get connected with Bethany in a number of ways. You can submit your prayer requests for us to be praying with you and for you, and you can continue supporting Bethany with your financial gifts. A reminder for those of you at home, we will be celebrating Holy Communion together in just a moment, and I invite you to get a bread or cracker or juice or water, whatever elements you have available, so you can share in that meal with us. As we worship together today, uh, we, we know that it's true that the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. We know that, but do you ever wonder why things never seem to change? If the resurrection of Jesus changes everything, then why do things stay the same, right? We had a great celebration last week. We celebrated Easter. It was a great day of joy and excitement, and uh, the, the possibilities seemed endless. I was laughing at 930, though, except to be able to worship outside last week. We weren't able to do that. The possibility of that was uh, eliminated, but everything else seemed possible, that, that we were here, and there was an excitement and an energy and a joy and a hope. And then many of us woke up the next day, and it was Monday all over again. Right, and, and maybe by the end of the week, you're, you're thinking, well, you know, on Sunday, we all shouted, Christ is risen, but now my kid is still struggling in school, and we all shouted, Christ is risen, but my marriage is still falling apart. We all shouted, Christ is risen, but my job is kind of a dead-end job, or, or maybe I don't even have a job right now, and I can't find a job, but we all shouted, Christ is risen, and and my addictions continue to strengthen their grip on my life. And we all shouted, Christ is risen, but I have loved ones who've died this week or who've gotten bad news this week or I've gotten a bad health report this week. We all shouted, Christ is risen, but the hatred and the violence in the world rages on. Christ is risen, and the resurrection of Jesus changes everything but does it really change you? Does it really change your life? Does it change how you view things? Does it change how you view one another? Does it change how you do your job or how you go about your day-to-day -day life? Does it change how you relate to one another? The people that you know and love and people with whom you disagree and people that are strangers to you? Does it change your day-to-day -day walk with God? Does it change how you pray? Does it change how you respond to challenges living in the midst of this broken world? You know, our world, and even those of us in the church, we tend to want Easter. We like Easter. We just don't want Good Friday. But Easter can never be Easter without Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and Holy Saturday, the death and the waiting. Those things are all part of the pattern, the rhythm of what it means to have resurrection life, that we live and we die and we are raised to new life over and over and over again. So if you've wrestled with how it is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything, but nothing in your life seems to change. 
Today might be a word of hope and good news for you. Let us pray. Loving God, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word to us, that it would take hold of us and transform us. I pray that the words in my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Just a minute, we're going to get to our main text for today, which is out of the Gospel of John, chapter 21. But before we can get to chapter 21, we have to finish chapter 20. And this is how chapter 20 ends. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, so all the other um, stories about Jesus' life and ministry, about his death, about his resurrection, including the resurrection appearances in, earlier in chapter 20. These are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. That seems like a, a good place to end, right? I mean, that seems like the ending of the story. But wait, there's more because there's chapter 21, it's kind of like a, an epilogue or an afterthought of, oh, wait, 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 I have a couple more things I want to say to you, and continues into chapter 21. Chapter 21, then, um, it, is a, it starts out realizing that everything has changed for the disciples. Their whole world has been upended, and life will never be business as usual for them again, but they don't really know what to do in, in that space where there's nothing for them to do. Jesus has appeared to them already, and he has said to them, as my father sent me, I am sending you. Great, Jesus, to where? Where are you sending us? And, and he said to them, peace be with you. And he appeared to them again, even with Thomas, who was doubting and wanted to see and touch Jesus. And Jesus says to them, peace be with you. Great, thank you, Jesus, for your peace. Now what? It's Monday morning all over again for them. And so they do what they know, which is that they go fishing. They go back to what is familiar, what is comforting, what they know how to do. And they go back to this place. This is a place that you will, can visit if you go to Israel, if you go to the Holy Land. This is called Peter's Primacy. Now that's the church that is there now, but you can see the big rocks there. And, and this is looking uh, from just the other direction from there. This is the Sea of Galilee. And this is the shoreline. You can see a tiny little speck of a boat out there uh, in the Sea of Galilee. But this is the, the shoreline where Jesus would have been waiting for them that day. They went fishing. Jesus cooks breakfast for them. Jesus helps them uh, know who he is. And, and they catch fish. They bring them in. They have this meal with Jesus here on this beach. It's one of my favorite places in the Holy Land to be able to stand my feet in the water, in the Sea of Galilee, right there on that shore. And imagine, imagine Jesus appearing to them, sharing a meal with them after he had been raised to new life. And after breakfast, then we have the story of, of Jesus and Peter. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. Now, often when we read this story, we focus on the really uh, tender exchange between Peter and Jesus. That Jesus offers Peter, Peter had already denied Jesus three times after saying that he would never deny Jesus. He denies Jesus three times, and in this encounter, Jesus restores him fully with this, these three opportunities to affirm Peter's love for Jesus. Yes, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. I love the, the wholeness of that restoration for Peter and for Jesus. But what struck me this time, what stood out for me this time, is that very last sentence. After this, he said to him, follow me. The disciples have heard that before. The first time they heard that from Jesus, it changed their lives. They gave up everything to follow Jesus. This time, he says it, and it will change their life again. But this time, follow me is to death and to resurrection, to dying and to being raised to new life. He's he's told them before that that's what it would mean. In the Synoptic Gospels, this is the, the one in Mark, He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. You have to wonder if that's resonating in the disciples' minds as Jesus once again says to them and to Peter specifically, follow me. Following Jesus, the risen Christ, is to die and to become. It is to live in a pattern, a rhythm of living and dying and being raised to new life. The pattern of transformation where old, you give up the old so that you can experience the new. You you die to self so that you can live to Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. And we're good with change as long as we don't have to change. Right? If you can change, that's great. I don't want to have to change. But the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. In our culture, we want Easter. We just don't want Good Friday. We want the resurrection. We just don't want to have to die. We want transformation. We just don't want change. I love this image of these caterpillars and this butterfly. It says, you'd never get me up in one of those things. Right? You'd never get me up in one of those things. Change. Change is uncomfortable. Change is risky. Change can be scary. And change is the only way that we can be transformed into who God has created us to be. Resurrection living does not happen without death, without change. 
there's a, a story, there's a book that's been around for about 50 years now. I remember seeing it uh, in my home growing up called Hope for the Flowers. And it's really the story of, of two caterpillars in particular, two caterpillars named Stripe and yellow, who learn what it means to be transformed into who they were created to be. They initially meet, Stripe and Yellow initially meet in this, which uh, the book calls a caterpillar pillar, right? It is just millions of caterpillars climbing uh, this pillar to what they think is their destiny. It's, it's what they think they're supposed to do. Everybody's doing it. We've just got to climb this pillar. They can't see what's at the top. Uh, what we know in reading the story and what Stripe eventually finds out is when you get to the top, the pillar doesn't go anywhere. In fact, at the top of the pillar, all you can do is look around and, and see hundreds of other caterpillar pillars with millions of caterpillars all trying to get to the top, but not really knowing what's their, their single-minded purpose is to get to the top. There's no sense of cooperation or communication. It's only competition. It, it is uh, to win at all costs. It is uh, that the other caterpillars become threats and obstacles, and so you step all over them just to get yourself to the top. Stripe and yellow, though, meet in this caterpillar pillar, and they do become friends. They leave the pillar for a while, and they enjoy some time uh, back on the ground, and then the pull is too great for Stripe. Stripe just can't stand to know, to not know what's at the top of that pillar because everybody's doing it. That's where everybody's going. That's what caterpillars are supposed to do, he thinks. And so he leaves to try again, and this time ruthlessly makes his way to the top. And all along the way begins to see and experience the trap, really, of the caterpillar pillar. Meanwhile, Yellow stays on the ground, and Yellow encounters this other caterpillar, this gray caterpillar, kind of woven in these strings, and begins to talk to this caterpillar, and this caterpillar this, that's in, wave, weaving this cocoon tells Yellow what it is like to be a butterfly. How how does one become a butterfly? Yellow asked pensively. You must want to fly so much that you are willing to give up being a caterpillar. You mean to die? Asked Yellow, remembering the three who fell out of the sky. Yes and no, he answered. What looks like you will die, but what's really you will still live. Life is changed not taken away. And so Yellow decides to risk becoming a butterfly. In spite of her fears, in spite of her concerns, in spite of all the unknowns, she enters into the darkness of the cocoon and waits. And after becoming a butterfly, a beautiful yellow butterfly, she goes back to the caterpillar pillar to try to find Stripe, to try to tell him how to become a butterfly. And Stripe, when he recognizes yellow, recognizes within him that ache and that longing for something more. He recognizes that where he is is not where he's supposed to be, and he feels the love of this one who has come 
to show him the way. And he realizes he's never going to become who he's meant to be in the midst of this caterpillar pillar that is going nowhere. So he stops struggling, and he makes his way down back to the bottom, and yellow then shows him what to do. The story says that stripe, for stripe, it got darker and darker, and he was afraid. He felt he had to let go of everything, and he did have to let go of everything. He had to put an end to the old familiar ways of doing things, a necessary end that led to a beautiful beginning of new life. Does that sound familiar when, when we encounter Jesus and we're invited to, to make changes in our life, to let go of fear and anxiety, to, to, uh, to not give in to what the world is telling us about who we are, and yet it feels like we have to let, let go of so much, and we don't know, we don't know what it's gonna be like we just know that letting go is uncertain and, and scary and that it will require this space of darkness and, and waiting. And yet it's the only way. It's the only way to become who we have been created to be. We know what it's like to be in a, a caterpillar pillar. That's our, our culture, right? That, that says the only place to be is on top. You have to when at all costs, our culture gives us this taste of how important success is and power and, and position and, and, and convinces us that, that that's what we're meant to do regardless of who we climb over in the process. Our caterpillar pillar is filled with those false promises that something out there or up there is going to give value and meaning to our lives. It's, it's being driven by greed and, and fear and pride, blinded by what the world offers to us, the brightness of the world offered to us, and blind to those who are in this world with us. It is that lure of instant gratification in order to feel better. We just want to feel better. And the world promises lots of ways to be instantly gratified. It is that, that lure of, of creating uh, changes in the outward appearances, right? So that people will love us, so that we'll be accepted, so that we'll be successful, so that we'll have what we want and what we need. It's the sad narrative of, of thinking that somehow we have to be someone other than ourselves in, other, in order to be loved and accepted and to belong. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything, but it doesn't get rid of the caterpillar pillar. Following Jesus is none of those things. In fact, following Jesus is, is the opposite of that. But there is no magic pill. There is no uh, seven easy steps to transformation, guaranteed, right? There, there is no such thing. There's no shortcut to finish the life of faith. There's no shortcut to transformation. You know what happens, right, when you try to make a cocoon into a butterfly before it's time? There is only the pattern, the rhythm, the process of resurrection living, which requires dying and letting go in order to be raised to new life. Dying to self, the false self that is driven by our ego. Dying to our sinful nature. Dying to the false narratives that the world tells us about who we are 
and who we are to become, dying to unrealistic expectations, dying to our image of greatness. It is dying to self so that it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The risen Christ, the risen Christ gives us this pattern of of living and dying and being raised to new life. That's resurrection living. The risen Christ in us, resurrection living in us. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. And when we, like Stripe, recognize that ache within us, that something is just off deep within us in the midst of this world, this broken world, this caterpillar pillar, when we recognize that ache and, and we feel the love of the one who would give himself for us and show us the way, and we realize that we're never going to become who we're created to be in the midst of this pillar that is going nowhere, then we can stop struggling to do it all on our own. We can allow the resurrection of Jesus to find us, to free us, to fill us, and we can make the Apostle Paul's words our own. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in death if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. right? Sharing in his suffering with him in death so that I may obtain resurrection of the dead. Because of the resurrection, we are empowered. We are empowered to live authentic lives, to be authentic, to be our true selves, to be God's beloved in the midst of this broken world, to become who God has created us to be, not what the world tells us about who we are to be. When Stripe realizes that that the way to Uh, live is not by getting to the top of the pillar and begins his descent down the pillar he begins to recognize the butterfly inside every other caterpillar all of us have that in us we're created with the image of god in the image of god and that is good there is goodness there is god we are empowered by the resurrection to be authentic to live authentic lives We are empowered to stand on God's promises and not rely on the world's rhetoric, which is hard because the world's rhetoric is loud and persistent. But God's promises are sure and steady and trustworthy. They're true. We are empowered to persevere through life's challenges. We're empowered to persevere when every day feels like Monday. Right? We're, we're empowered to face the challenges of our lives because we know that the risen Christ is with us in our suffering, in our struggle. No matter what that struggle is, the resurrected Christ is with us, is in us. We are empowered to be compassionate, to give of ourselves to others because it's Christ in us that we are giving. It's Christ living in me that I am offering. We're all in, in different stages, right, of transformation. Some of us are, are still caterpillars. Some of us 
are in the cocoon. Some of us are, are butterflies. Some of us, this pattern is a lifelong pattern uh, of learning it and being transformed and leaning into Christ, letting Christ live in us. We're empowered to be compassionate, to give of ourselves. We can journey with one another instead of fighting against one another. Someone after uh, 9.30 said, you know, it occurred to me that, that caterpillars are all about consumption. That's all they do is eat, right? Butterflies. Butterflies are about giving for others, for the, flower, for the beautiful flowers, for all of creation, right? Even that image, caterpillars are consumers, and butterflies offer themselves in that way. We are empowered to live fully alive. Empowered to live fully alive. This world can be brutal in its circumstances, in its uh, pressure on us, in its judgment of us. But because of the resurrection, none of that, none of what the world can throw at us can take away the life of Christ in us. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. But I wonder today what you need to change, what needs to change in your life, what do you need to die to, what do you need to give up in order for that to change the way you live every day. Resurrection living. I I wonder where you need to know the power of the resurrection Understanding that you can't know the power of the resurrection without knowing the depth of Good Friday and the darkness of Holy Saturday. You can, if you choose, you could live as a caterpillar your whole life. But you're meant to be a butterfly. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything, even you, if you'll let it. Let us pray. Loving God, thank you for the resurrection, the life of Christ in us that allows us to live in the midst of this broken world, indeed to live with hope and with promise, indeed to live with the possibilities of things being made new. Help us have courage, help us have courage to die to the things that we need to die to in order to become the life that you have given to us. Pour out your spirit upon us that we might be willing to live in the pattern, the rhythm of this living and dying and being raised to new life, that it would be our way of life as Christ has his way in us. We pray in his holy name. Amen.